0: Welcome to the Encounter Church podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. I'm excited to be uh, doing part three. How many of you have been enjoying our series, Let Love Rain? Come on. And uh, it's been good. That section right there has been enjoying it, so... I think I'm gonna preach to that section right there. No, uh, but it's just good to—it's good to see the 11 a.m. Um, grow and uh, and people just get excited about what the Lord's doing. I just feel like God is doing something significant in our midst, and it's good to just embrace it and and uh, step into the river. Amen. Yeah. Serve. We want to always encourage people get involved, get plugged in. Um, we have been having some discipleship stuff and we're going to be opening that up after Easter. And so we just had our last Wednesday with a group that we've been uh, pouring into and we're going to be opening up uh, an opportunity for people to get plugged in on like a Wednesday night. Pretty sure it's going to be Wednesday night and it's going to be about 30 minute teaching and then small groups for like uh, 30 to 45 minutes of uh, small groups discussion questions. So if you like that, you want to get involved um, and you want to grow grow in the scripture, grow in relationship. how many know that you can't have discipleship without relationship yeah. amen? So we're building relationship with our leaders and we're pouring in and we want our leaders to pour in to others and we want to see that uh, family spirit, that community spirit be preserved as we grow. And just so you know, you know I, I have to give a shout out to worship uh, the worship team. you guys killed it. great job. can we give a handout to our worship and You know, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. It bears repeating. There's one thing to have uh, good musicians that are talented and good singers and nicely written songs. It's another to have that and a heart of worship that just does something deep in your heart where you're not just lifting your hands as a mechanism of religious calisthenics, but you're literally surrendering your heart to the Lord. And and the, the realness and the rawness and the... Uh, the substance um, of and the reality that we're listen when we worship, we're not just singing songs, you know. We're, we're meeting with God, like we're experiencing His love and His presence, and so that is a priority. And this is a, that's a priority of this house is that we should be experiencing the presence of the Lord. As a matter of fact, Paul uh, before he even talks about you know the Apostle Paul in Ephesians four about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, that's wonderful. But before that, in two chapter two, he says. That the purpose of the church is to be a dwelling place for God in the spirit so you're a temple of the Holy Spirit and we are a temple of the Holy Spirit corporately think about in the book of Acts before they did anything before Peter stood up and preached and 3,000 people were added to the church they first were a dwelling place for God in the spirit they were in an upper room and so we prioritize meeting with God and uh, and so we get to do that and it's it's wonderful amen, amen. well I um, I'm just making sure I'm not forgetting anything before I jump into this. Is there anything else, honey? I just have to look at my wife, make sure she runs my life secretly. You guys don't know, but I can't do anything without asking her first. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's amazing. Love you, baby. You're the best. So I want to uh start in Matthew chapter 16. All right, I'm excited about today, man. Uh, who enjoyed the first part of this? If you heard it, raise your hand. Okay, this is our series, Let Love Rain. If you haven't heard it, listen. And then the second part, did you hear last week my wife brought it? Come on, somebody. Y'all need to listen to those messages. Get caught up. Uh, and, you know, we talk about some stuff that some churches don't like to talk about because they're afraid to lose church members. And, and, and listen, this is like, you know, the elephant in the room, politics, and where the country's headed, and where the church is, and what are we called to do, and what does it mean to advance the kingdom, and is there a difference between the kingdom reign and the empirical powers of government and nations? We talk about all that stuff. So I'm going to try not to get into too much of that today, but I will say that we've got to learn what advancing the kingdom really is, Amen. and I think we've done it wrong, and I think in in the attempt not to be silent and to stand up for righteousness, I think sometimes um, we're shouting, and I don't think people are listening. So I, I want to I visit that a little bit about what it looks like to manifest the kingdom of God. How many know Jesus didn't even, he didn't say that we're supposed to build the church. He said he was going to build the church. But we are supposed to preach the gospel of the kingdom. You know, the church, I think, is mentioned two times in the New Testament. The kingdom of God is mentioned over 200 times. And so the church is important. The people of God are important. You know, the the people of God have the keys to the kingdom, but we've got to be about the Father's business and advancing the kingdom. And the question is, is have we been trying to advance the kingdom and maybe doing a lot of stuff, but it's possible um, that we're not advancing the kingdom. So we have to make sure that we really understand all this stuff amen so i want to read this uh, out of matthew 16 and then we're going to jump to another text in john chapter 6 in just a moment Um, but let's start in matthew chapter 16 i'm going to start reading at verse 13 who has your bible raise up your bible if you have it if you have an actual real bible Do you have a real Bible? Anyone? Does anyone have a... Look, there's a real Christian right there. Is there any other real Christians? Real Christian right there. Real Christian in the back row. Real Christian in the sound booth. Come on, somebody. Real Christian behind the pulpit. Oh, All right, so let's read this. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I the son of man am verse 14 some say John the baptist some Elijah others Jeremiah or one of the prophets verse 15 he said to them but who do you say that i am simon peter answered and said you are the christ the son of the living god verse 17 jesus said He answered and said to them, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood, or man, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Can you say amen to that? Jesus said he'll build his church, and the power of hell will not prevail against it. No matter what, if hell's gates open up and send all the armies of demon forces, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. That's why one of the fastest growing churches in the world today is in China. Underground churches exploding. One of the fastest growing churches in the world all over the nation of China. That's incredible. Jesus said, I'll build my church. Nothing's going to stop it. Paraphrase verse 19. And I will give you the keys, say keys. Keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want to jump over and read something from Matthew 18 real quick. He's talking about relationships and community. He says, if your brother sins against you, uh, tell everyone about his sin. Oh, no, sorry. I read that wrong. But that's how we all read it. Amen. Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go tell him or her. Amen. If your brother sins against you, go to a prayer meeting and pretend to pray for him, but gossip about him the whole time. (laughs) That's not what it says. Go to them. Work it out. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. If he doesn't, take with you one or two more by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word will be established. And if he refuses to hear him, tell the church. In other words, present it to the community, the Elders, the leaders, but if he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. In other words, start back to ground zero. Verse eighteen: Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven; whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Interesting that that is said again in this context. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning uh, concerning anything, it'll be done by the Father. Amen. For two or three are gathered in my name. I am there in the midst of them. The word agree there, two or more shall agree, isn't just praying or talking the same. It's actually a harmony of heart. And the Lord is talking about unity. He's talking about community and unity and relationship. And that's interesting, this term binding and loosing. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But I want to focus on Matthew 16. I'll just tell you what I see here. First of all, real quick recap, the kingdom reign of God is not the same thing as the church. And the kingdom reign of God is the reign of his love, Isaiah 16, 5. That in a prophecy that Isaiah gives, talking about Jesus the Messiah, he says, a new government of love will be established in the Davidic tradition. He'll be a ruler we can depend on, a ruler that will set things right, and a ruler passionate for justice. Are you thankful for Jesus? That is the government of heaven. The government of heaven is not the same thing as the governments of the earth. And there is this uh, mystery to the kingdom. Jesus preaches all these parables, you know, about like the leaven that permeates all the dough, three measures of dough, which, by the way, once he mixed the flour and the water, it was a hundred pounds of dough. The dough represents the world. Leaven is the kingdom. You know, Jesus often would say the, the kingdom of God is like a sower sowing the word and then it produces fruit and all the different types of ground and and, and Jesus talked about this kingdom of God is like a mustard seed sown into the ground that becomes this huge tree. It's interesting that he says the kingdom, what is sown, is what produces the kingdom. It's not like something sown and then it produces something else. The kingdom, whatever sown, is the kingdom, whatever produces is the kingdom of God. It's not like Jesus is here and now we're all saved. So if we are in charge of everything, that's the kingdom of God. You understand what I'm saying? It's not like, you know, we're saved and we have Jesus and the kingdom's within me, so whatever I do in the name of Jesus is the same thing as the kingdom of God. Like if the coolest pastor becomes president, then the United States becomes the kingdom of God. No, that's not how it works. That's not to say that God doesn't want United States to manifest the kingdom of God through people Because the kingdom is manifested through the church. The church has the keys of the kingdom. But you can't manifest the kingdom without a revelation of the king. And this is what Jesus is saying in Matthew 16. I'm just barely getting going. I'm going to need you all to get on the train. And I'm just like a locomotive. Mm -hmm. That sounds Indian or something. What am I doing up here? But we're going to get rolling. I want you to understand something. That there is first a revelation and then a delegation. But the kingdom of God is this a reign of God's love that influences the heart. God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. God can use leaders to manifest his kingdom. Any leader. God can use a president. God, But that doesn't mean that that particular nation or ruler or prime minister is the same thing as the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, if there is a pastor of a church and a church is healthy and doing really good, it doesn't mean the church is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is outside the church walls. It's not the same thing as the people of God. The the reign of God's love, the the king's domain, is permeating the world. And it has been for 2,000 years. Can you say amen? Amen. The kingdom of God's not coming when Jesus comes back. It is in its fullness. But the kingdom of God has been here and is growing for the last 2,000 years. And Jesus says this thing, keys to the kingdom. It's interesting, the authority that he gives. He says, I'm going to build my church, and then I'm going to give this authority. The, the word keys is a metaphor for authority, to forbid or not to forbid, to allow things or not to allow things. And that's why he says this thing about binding and loosing. It's interesting, though, in churches. I don't know if you've been around churches where, you know, you got people binding this and loosening that and binding this and And I think there's some element of truth to that, but I don't think it's necessarily just something we proclaim. Because if you look at Matthew 18, and this is what I want to talk about today, about the church manifesting the kingdom in the world. And are we doing it the right way? Are we doing it with the heart and the love of God? Or are we doing it the same way the world does it? It's like, Jesus says, you know, the greatest among you is a servant of all. Don't lead like the world leaves. The Gentiles domineer, but lead by serving. There's a a manifestation of humble love that Jesus says this is going to pave the way. He washes their feet. And he says this is what love looks like. But if we read Matthew 18, connecting it with Matthew 16, there's a revelation, then there's a delegation But Matthew 18, the context is relationship, to forbid or not to forbid. So binding and loosing isn't just something we say, but it's actually things that we tolerate that sometimes dominate or things that we don't tolerate. It's like authority. And and it's interesting because I believe Jesus in Matthew 18 is saying, if in the community of the saints you tolerate division, you have no authority to bind and loose and advance the kingdom in every realm of society. In other words, there's something that's so profound to me that, I, that I'm going to be getting at here, and I want, I want to read John chapter 6. Here, here's the dilemma. I believe that the church has the authority to, to bind and loose, to, to close doors that need to be closed, amen, and to open doors that need to be opened and stay opened, Right? How many believe that right now, if we just were honest, there's a bit of an attack on the church? And I'm not saying that like, oh, poor church, poor Christians, because like I said, in China, the church is exploding. Under persecution, God moves in the church. We don't ever have to fear that. but it doesn't mean we succumb or we're passive. I believe that if you look back and you look at the healing movement in the last uh, you know few decades or, from the 1900s and on, you know, even in the late 1800s, there's a healing revival. And then you see the enemy try to attack that and almost broadstroke televangelists as they're all kind of like charlatans. Hello? And of course, there are some that are not real. There's always a counterfeit, right? But then you see like uh, the grace movement or, or let me back a little further. The father heart movement in the 80s, 90s. And then, and then you see an attack on the fathers that the whole world somehow is being dominated by some toxic patriarchy. And then, you, and then you see like this grace identity message that is so profound that we're discovering who God is and we're discovering that we're children of God. And we don't need sin management sermons, but as we know who we are, we live that out in freedom. And now you see in the last 10 or so years, identity is being attacked like never before. We've got to be aware of what's happening in the earth, but the problem is we're trying to resolve something and we call it kingdom advancement, but maybe we don't know the heart of the king. Because that's what I believe Jesus is saying is like, you wanna bind and loose, but you can't even get along with your brother. How are you gonna reach people with the love of God when you got Jerry Springer going on in the building? How can you pastor people? if the man of God's cheating on the woman of God? How can you pastor people if there's no order and health and love in the marriage and in the family because healthy ministry flows out of healthy family? How can we bind and loose and advance a kingdom in the world and if we can't even get along? We don't even know how to love each other right. Now, I'm not saying that in a way where I'm, you know, we, like, I think this church loves really well, but I'm talking about in general We've got to be careful not to run ahead of God and think, well, I'm advancing the kingdom. I'm about the father's business. I'm binding and I'm loosening." And we don't even know the heart of the king of kings and the Lord of lords because to the degree that we manifest the power of the kingdom, it's is to the degree that we rest our head on the heart of the king and hear that heartbeat. See, the kingdom of God flows through yielded vessels Not warriors, but lovers. The kingdom of God flows because it's a kingdom of love. And again, love is not just something where someone's dancing through a field and throwing flowers at everybody. (laughs) I just love you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Josiah taught at our uh, men's thing yesterday. And he said, I love what he said here. Josiah Ball, our youth pastor. He says, true love does not compromise. Love is not just some passive thing. Love always speaks truth. You know, somebody was asking us, like, what do you do when someone you love is going the wrong direction? How do you love them? Well, you love them. (laughs) You speak truth to them. You treasure them in your heart always, even if they run. And just like the story of the prodigal son, be the father in the story. Let them go, but always treasure them in your heart and look on the horizon and wait for them to come home with open arms. That's what we're created to do. But are we trying to run and advance the kingdom of God our way? Now, look, there's a story in John 6. I hope you all are enjoying this so far. I'm enjoying it already. If I was on the front row right here, I'd be like, come on, somebody. Jesus is doing miracles. He's preaching on the kingdom. You know, he heals this guy. Uh, sick for 38 years. In John chapter 5, he just says, hey, take your bed up and walk, son. He gets healed just like that. I mean, Jesus, he feeds the 5,000. Now, how many know you had the disciples and you had like, you know, the three, the one he was close to, John, John, John 13, where it says he rested his head on the heart of Jesus. I love that, man. And I think that that's one of the keys to knowing the heart of the king is just stay right there and just listen. Like, Lord, what's on your heart? I need your heart. If I want to advance your kingdom and power, I need to know your heart. I need to be intimate with you. I need to be yielded to you. Jesus was always in relationship, constantly one with his father, yielded to the heartbeat of his father. I only do what I see the father doing. And Jesus is feeding the 5,000. You have, you know, John, you have Peter, James, and John, the th- one, then the, the three, then you have the nine, okay, the, 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 all the 12, then you have the 70, and then the masses. And how many of sometimes the masses, they just kind of want from Jesus what they can get out of Jesus, right? And there's an element of that in church, sometimes like, you know, we attend church because I just need to be encouraged, whatever, and then we begin to mature, and it's like, no, I was created to love, serve, give, and, and, and I was created to minister to people, and I was created evangelizing, evangelize right? That's what happens. It overflows. We get healed up, and we get redeemed, and then we just want to pour out our lives. But in this story, in John chapter 6, Jesus walks on water. Jesus feeds the 5,000, and then there's this interesting verse uh, in verse 15, actually right before he walks on water. This This is profound to me. Let's read this together. This is John chapter 6, verse 15. Therefore, when they perceived that they were about to come, they so they, uh, when Jesus perceived, sorry. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they, the masses, were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, think about this: the masses were like, "Hey, he just fed us. We're hungry in the desert. He's our provider." He's our protector. You know that the kingdom of God isn't just about our provision and our protection or our healing. It's about being under the reign of a king. Uh, This seems to me as though they wanted Jesus to be their type of king. Now think about how that can manifest through us. We want a certain type of king. I mean, we see it all throughout the Bible. We can learn a lot from the first king, Saul. God wanted to be their king, and they're like, no, but we want a king. We, We need a king. God wanted to be that relationship. And it's always a type and shadow of like, you know, the leader that we want and then it doesn't work out and then it just turns out to be, you know, David was like the type of Christ, right? Amen? But it says Jesus perceived what they were doing because the kingdom of God doesn't come by coercion or control or manipulation, hear me. But Jesus departed to the mountain to be with the Father. I think as people, we should recognize not only do we have a tendency sometimes to try to bring the kingdom the way we want the kingdom to come, and sometimes the root of that is because we don't know the heart of the king. There's, there's this really profound uh, verse. Most of you have it memorized in probably like NIV or New King James or NAS Matthew 6 33. Who has it memorized? Everybody knows it. What's it say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. Now I want to read it to you in the message, verse 30 to 33. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to get here is that you relax. Don't be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. Isn't that good? people who don't know god and the way he works fuss over these things but you know both god and how he works steep your life into god reality god initiative and god provisions don't worry about missing out you'll find yourself every you'll find all of your everyday human concerns will be met seek first the kingdom of god In in another portion of Matthew 6, in this translation, he he talks about being careless in the care of God. There's something to be said, though, as the church, if we want to advance the kingdom and we're making these proclamations, let love reign, and we want to see God move in the earth, and we see that there is a battle going on right now. I mean, can we all say amen that there's some stuff, some pretty crazy stuff going on in the world? The problem is, I think we've been trying to fix it the wrong way. We've been told, don't be silent. We've been told and we're reminded of the story of, uh, you know, Esther for such a time as this. And I believe that. A matter of fact, I think that resonates with what is going on today. Do you know there's only two books in the Bible where the name of God is not mentioned? One is Song of Solomon because it's like, you know, stories that husbands and wives read together, right? <laughs> it's about covenant. Come on, somebody. The other book where God is not mentioned is the book of Esther. Why is that significant? Because when it feels like the name of God is nowhere to be mentioned on the lips of people, God is still doing stuff. There's 11 of the kingdom. God is raising up a bride, come on, to be one with a king and to manifest the kingdom of God. Because you can't manifest the kingdom reign of God if you don't know the heart of the king. We're trying to love the world our way. Well, we just have to accept everyone and accept everything that people do and just let them be themselves. Freedom is not doing what you want to do. Freedom is doing what you're created to do. Amen. Freedom in God is freedom in Christ. And in Christ, we know who we are and we come alive. And our identity is, is understood knowing the heart of Jesus, which is a revelation of the heart of the Father. You know, my whole Christian life, man, for many years, I wouldn't say my whole Christian life. Probably the last 10 years has been totally different. But for many years, I'm serving. serving in ministry. I'm a worship leader. I'm a pastor. I'm an associate pastor. I'm preaching, teaching. Then I'm about to plant a church. And I'm doing kingdom stuff. I'm doing outreaches. And hundreds of people gather. And they're crying. They're receiving the Lord. But I don't think that I really had God's heart. I don't think I really knew the heart of the king. And I was still doing stuff. I think sometimes we can be in the house and we could call ourselves sons and daughters, but we still live with an orphan spirit. And it has nothing to do with not having a father. I have the greatest papa, man. My dad is the most loving father. And if I could be half the father he is, I'll raise up 10,000 sons. He's an amazing dad. He's a type of dad that my friends that would come around that didn't have a father, he was like a father figure, just big heart lover. He taught me how to love. Now I find myself in ministry, but I have different type of orphan wounds. I'm noticing that my leaders and my pastors, they don't really see who I am. I, I'm like, I'm a little bit of a mess. I'm a maverick, right? I'm an eight wing seven. Come on somebody. So they're like, oh, this guy is a little crazy. Challenger. They were very challenged by my challenger. And my anointing was pretty strong growing up, right? I'm like, I'm leading worship and then, you know, People are on their faces, and they don't know what to do. The Spirit of God shows up, and they're like, oh, what do I do now, you know? And and, and I'm just, I'm not trying to boast. I'm just saying this was my reality, and I felt overlooked. I felt there's only a couple leaders, I think, in my life that really saw who I was. And I was about to plant a church, and I'm serving in ministry, and I have orphan wounds. I'm living in the house serving, but really my heart is in the far country, Far country was where the prodigal son went and found himself eating pig's food. I was hungry and I was broken. And then we had a guest speaker come to our church that I was serving at, and uh, nobody was available to pick him up at the airport. Now, one of the church cultures I grew up in, in, in my faith for about nine years, was like it was the man of God culture, right? Which is not this church culture, but like the man of God walks in with two armor bearers. Come on, somebody. One carrying some water, one carrying his Bible. They got earpieces in. And then there's like four shofar blowers surrounding them. And there's like a glory cloud that just kind of comes in and the man of God walks in. Everyone's like, oh, glory to God. Now, so for me, I'm like, I'm going to honor the man of God because there's a blessing. Honor, prophet, in the name of prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward, glory. And so for me, in that moment, I'm like, I, will, I would be honored. So part of my heart, it was right in it. Like, I would be honored to pick him up from the airport. I'm going to get blessed, right? So my heart was postured to receive. And this guy that I was picking up, who's a guest speaker at the small church I'm serving at, he was like a mega church pastor more than one time, like, you know, pastored multiple megachurches, international ministry, you know. When the denomination would uh, have a convention with thousands of pastors, he's one of the guest speakers. And I'm like, I'll pick him up. So I was ready. I'm in the mortgage business. I got a nice BMW. I cleaned that bad boy up. I went to the airport. I'm carrying his bag. I'm like, hello, sir. Praise God. You know, I'm honoring him. (laughs) Open the door, you know, pray over the car, make sure it smells good. Mm, Lord, I thank you for the aroma of the spirit in this car. I got to impress the man of God. But, you know, deep down, though, even though I was, like, wanting to honor him, I was still, I had, like, these orphan wounds. I wasn't looking to be seen, though. I wasn't looking for attention. But I picked this man up from the airport, and then he spoke. And then, all of a sudden, I'm like, there's something about his voice, something about his words. There's heavenly substance. There's I can't explain it, but it makes my heart burn. Like, I could feel it in my gut. And I find myself, like, welling up in tears. Like, who is this guy? Why does he have this power over me? And I'm like, my heart is bending. And he's just so full of love. And he's relational. He's not this big-time man of God that won't speak to you. Gets on his phone, and, like, the guy's just talking to me, and, Tell me about yourself. I'm like, what do you want to know about me for? He preaches and gets to know our family. He's like, I want to meet your family. The same day he comes in. What man of God, big time man of God, does that? He actually cared. He actually saw me. I felt seen for the first time my whole Christian life. And I'll never forget the impact that he's had on my life and still does to this day. I'm serving. And I'm doing the stuff, but with orphan wounds. I'm manifesting the kingdom without knowing the heart of the king. We go to lunch and I take him to the hotel and uh, Sunday church comes and he asked me to, hey, would you do a song? Because I was serving in worship. Before I come up, I want you to leave worship, just one song. And, uh, and so I did and, and he comes up and the first thing he says, he's like, glad to be here. I didn't just come to preach to you. I came to adopt Zach. I'm like, what are you talking about? After the service, um, I, I can't even remember what he preached because I was stunned by the love of God. It was scandalous. It was shocking. It was outrageous. Why me? I'm just a maverick. I'm just a young guy got saved from drugs and alcoholism and I don't like to listen to leaders. I'm an eight-wing seven, right, Sarah? Or Sarah? Anytime I want to ask Sarah about Enneagram, I just ask, I want to ask, ask Sarah and Rochelle. I'm discovering so much about myself. <laughs> so at the end of service, he looks at me. He's sitting there. He's praying over people. He says, Zach, I could prophesy over you for hours. I'm like, What? I sit down next to him, he puts his hand on me, and he just pours in. About a year goes by, we plant a church. This is before we planted a church, and um, we stayed in touch with him. He's like, call me if you ever need anything, you know, and I'm, you're awesome, and just affirming and loving me, and we plant a church. The church's growing. I mean, God just moved. We're doing outreaches, and by six months of having a church, starting it from a coffee shop with 12 people, we had over 106 months, and... Um, it just kept growing. I think we popped 200 before the uh, 12 months. And uh, about a year and three months go by and we go to our first denominational convention, where thousands of pastors get together and it's like you know church denominational stuff, right? The elite, you know, you have all the big time supervisors and all that, you know. So we go and we're excited about being there. We're young pastors. We don't know what we're doing at all. And we're trying to look cool. And, you know, I'm a senior pastor. Look at my name tag, you know. And, um, and uh, we've graduated from, you know, all the way up the, the religious elite totem pole. Now we're senior pastors, praise God. And guess who one of the guest speakers is? Larry Titus. And he preaches. I'll never forget. It was a Tuesday night. And he preaches. And there's thousands of leaders and pastors. And he has an altar call. And he's not ashamed the way he's preaching, I'm like, my heart is just burning. I'm like, I, I want to be like this guy, man. I want to love like him. I want to be as bold as him. I want to speak truth like him. I feel like he's really manifesting God, the heart of the king. It's like, it's just oozing out of him. He has an altar call, like, literally 200 plus pastors are up there weeping on their faces. After all of that cleared, I, we walked up and I just wanted to say hi because I met him a year and a half before. And, I said, Larry, we just want to say hello. And I, I would have been fine with, so good to see you. God bless you. But it was much more than that because he's not just a big-time man of God. He's a father. Ooh. And he looks at me and he says, I want to take you to lunch. I'm so glad to see you. You're so awesome. I'm like, would you stop it? I'm like, <laughs> I can't even. Just I'll stop. <laughs> it's funny, though, in, in church, we we receive flattery so well, but it's so hard to receive honor. We go to lunch. He doesn't let me pay. My wife's there. Our youth pastor's there because she's a part of a school of ministry. All her friends are like, how come you were at lunch with Larry Titus? He's big time. Don't you know who he is? And he's just loving on us. I remember sitting at that lunch and he says, I remember what I ate. I had a nice tea and a chicken sandwich. The reason I remember is because it was such an impactful moment in my life. I'll never forget it. And he says, whatever you guys need, because we said we're pastoring now. This is what's happening. He's like, that's incredible. Whatever you need, my wife and I are behind you 100%. And it wasn't just words. A couple years into pastoring, come in. Another story I'll tell you real quick. We're we're doing the stuff, you know. His wife is Debbie Titus. Many of you have heard of her. She wrote a book called The Table Experience. Profound, prolific speaker that's uh, known internationally. and So Larry calls me. He knows I lead worship. And he recognizes that anointing on my life. That was something that was easily recognizable to a lot of the people that I've been around. So I was used to being the David. I was used to being the guy that does worship for the thing. Come bring the presents, David. Come usher us in. And I didn't mind it. I was even probably prostituted for my gifting. But I just wanted to be a part, so I just succumb to it i'm here to serve i'm here to touch and serve a generation praise god so larry calls me and he says uh you can come up sis he says i have this gathering that i'm doing and i have 24 pastors that i chose from all over the world and uh you know these are some of them are mega church pastors from london from california texas from uh, brazil all over the world you know, pastors that, you know, they're pastoring churches of all different sizes and very unique, very eclectic, very multi-ethnic. The, the ministry of Larry Titus as a spiritual father to me is so multi-ethnic. It's incredible and international. At any of his events, there's usually 50 plus nations represented. It's incredible. So he says, I am having this thing where I want, I'm going to have 24 pastors come and I'm going to pour into them for three days. These are my sons. I want them to come, and I just want to love on them. We're going to eat together. It's relational, and he's just telling me what it's like. And I'm like, this is nothing like what I've experienced. So he says, Zach, I want you to bring your tar and come and lead worship. So I'm like, oh, I'll I'll be the David. Sure, no problem. I, I would be honored to for something like this. I know who this guy is, right? I mean, I'm honored that he even recognizes anything about me. And he says, no, 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 Zach, Zach, you don't understand. Yes, I want you to bring your tar and just be ready, but you're one of the 24 pastors. You might think, I'm not boasting. I'm telling you, you have no idea how healing that was to me in that moment. I mean, this man has impacted me more than probably any other ministry person in my life. And why am I telling you this? Because as a pastor and a leader, as church community, we must know the heart of the Father. And I don't I don't know the heart of the Father just from moments at the altar weeping, but from moments with a man named Larry Titus that loved me like a papa. And I had a great loving father, but I didn't have anyone who saw me in ministry. I didn't know how to walk out these steps in, in ministry. I knew how to walk out steps in life and as an entrepreneur. But this was all new to me, And and I wasn't recognized, and I was invisible, and I felt rejected, and this man brought open arms to me. And guess what I learned? I learned the heart of the Father and my ministry altered. And I pray that we would gain the strength to turn our hearts towards the Father's love, that we would be like John the Beloved and rest our head on the heart of the Lamb, that we would live in step with the Father. That we would live in step just like Jesus when they were trying to force him to be the king that they wanted that we would not try to bring the kingdom the way we want, that we would not try to make Jesus just our provider and our blesser and our protector, but we would say he's our Lord and our master and our lover and our everything and the alpha and the omega. And when we sit at the feet of Jesus and we rest our heart on on the son of God, that we learn that it's the heartbeat of the father for us. We know our value. We know who we are. And then we rise up in the unique call that we have and we begin to release that amazing love of the father and we change the world with it. And we don't just run for politics and do something cool. No, man, we change the world with it, all of the above. Because the world needs Jesus. America needs Jesus. There are nations that need Jesus. There's an attack on the church, man. There's there's a counterfeit for every real thing that the Lord does in the earth. The enemy is attacking family, fatherhood, and identity right now. And it is demonic. It is from the pit of hell. And we must rise up. We must rest our head on the heart of the Lamb and say, I need some answers, Lord. I need to know how to love the world. And I know that love, Josiah, thank you. Love. True love does not compromise. Love is bold. Love is courageous. Love speaks truth. There's some broken people, and and I don't know, I can't fix them, and I can't even be God to them, but I love them with the love of God. And I pray that we would understand that we do have keys to bind and loose, but maybe we've been trying to do that without the revelation of who Jesus is. I want to advance the kingdom, but I first want to know the heart of the king. I want to see the political realm completely turned upside down. I mean, I, I I want to see all sorts of things happen, but we just got to do it the right way. We've got to do it in love and in power and in authority and boldness, but it's the kingdom of heaven. It's not the same way that the church has done it in the past. Yes, we've had breakthroughs, but I think there's a whole new way, a whole new breed of people of God that will rise up and influence the world like never before. Why? Because we know the heart of God. I want you to pray with me, and I'm going to dismiss you. It's 1230. To this day, you know, my spiritual pops, uh, he's always available. I was texting with him yesterday. And I'm so grateful for fathers. I'm so grateful for mothers in my life. I'm so grateful for my dad. You know, we, my wife and I have the honor of going on a little family vacation in the spring. And we just arranged that my dad's going to meet me there. I just, I miss them so much, you know, we live across the country. I'm so grateful for fathers though. I'm so grateful for my family and my wife and can we remember that kingdom is family and we learn family from the heart of God. And we have to be careful that we're not trying to run and do all this stuff without knowing first the love and the heart of God. Lift our hands with me, would you? And, and let's just, I, I want to open up the altars and come and bow down. If you just, like Jesus, I'm turning back to your heart. Like Jesus, I'm going to lay my head upon your heart. I want to know. I want intimacy. I want... I don't want to do this stuff without you. The the power of the kingdom is released to the measure that we yield to the heartbeat of the king. I want to open the altars right now. If you're in this place, I want you to come quickly. Just fill this altar up. I want to pray over you. I want to release the love of the Father of you. Maybe you felt invisible and you're like, I want to know my identity. I, I feel like I don't even know who I am. There's a story Larry Titus tells where he is preaching in Brazil. And there's hundreds of young men at the altar. And they all pull out their ID cards and they're waving it back and forth. And he looks at the pastor, interpreter, he says, What are they doing? And he looks at him and he says, They don't know who they are. They don't have a last name. They want you to be their father. Half the world is fatherless. The reason we don't know our identity is because we don't know the Father's love. I wanna pray. If there's anyone else, come. I'm opening the altars and we're gonna have the prayer team just like stand behind you and pray. Come. Thank you, bro. Just come. Boldly come, bow before the Lord, just receive His love. Come and rest your heart at the feet of Jesus. Healing, freedom. Come and just turn your heart to the Master. He loves you. There's healing oil breaking forth right now. There's healing oil breaking, lifting burdens, anxiety, depression right now, confusion. You need to know who you are. And right now, the Father's love is crashing in. Ho! And the Father's voice is resounding. And here's what he's saying to his sons. He's saying, I'm so proud of you. You're my son, in whom my soul delights. Daughters, you know what he's saying? He says, You're daddy's girl. Hannah, you know that. My Gracie. My daughter Hannah Sarah, you know that. Daddy's girl. Fought pure. Fatherly affection, healing your heart, sons. Father says, I'm with you. I love you. Hear my heartbeat. Come alive. Know who you are. You're a son. Be whole. Right now the Lord is healing from domineering leadership. Not from this house. I I don't want to say that. I just want to be very clear. I, I don't I believe this church is healthy in that way. Very healthy but maybe a history of things where you felt domineered, controlled. On behalf of every leader that has ever possibly hurt you, I repent on their behalf and I pray that your feet would spiritually be washed right now. You'd be free and whole. Sometimes people get hurt. Church hurt is real. Sometimes we're more sin hurt than church hurt. We hold on to our stuff and we scapegoat the church because it makes it easier if we sabotage our relationships to turn our hearts away. And we eject ourselves and then we try to say rejection later. Sometimes that happens too. But I pray that you would be whole right now. I lift you up before the Lord. Would you stretch your hands forward if you're not up front here. Stretch your hands forward to these, please. We're gonna pray. If you're watching online, I release the same healing presence of God that's in this room. I Right now, I release the Father's love. I declare wholeness. I declare uh, chains broken. Rochelle, would you just begin to pray? I know you're ministering. Would you just go around? Prayer team, would you come right now and just quietly, just put your hand on the shoulders of those that are up here and just release the Father's love. Come on, uh, put your hands forward if you would and just pray this with me. I release the Father's love right now. Shh. We release the Father's love In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus Whoa, it's tangible In the name of Jesus There it is, take it Fire Fiery love of God Fiery love of God Right now, all over you In Jesus' name Come on and say, Lord, I receive it Your love is like a burning fire. In Jesus' name. Pray this with me. Say, I receive your love deep within my heart. Fire. In the name of Jesus. I receive it, Lord. I let you love me. In Jesus' name. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.